Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. I watched this really interesting talk from Marty Kagan and Dan Olson. They talked about Marty's new book, Transformed, that he's working on. Super interesting. They have a lot of good articles on it. He breaks out into three core questions to assess a team's health. Are they set up to be empowered and are they set up to be a really solid product team? One thing I got fixated on because I was really fascinated with was how do we build products? What he goes into is this book he mentions called Accelerate. It's kind of DevOps focused book on how to build at high quality with fast speeds. They talk about this framework of measuring four different metrics, lead time, deployment frequency, mean time to restore, and change failure rate. I'm curious, do you have exposure with setting up measurements benchmarking against these things, did it ever come up as a part of your career? Oh yeah. Those four metrics are nothing. I should say they're nothing new because they, I, yeah. Ibotta was talking about them by the time I was leaving. Speckit was talking about them as methods for us to evaluate and we measure them at zero as well. So they're, they're definitely kind of, I think, core part of engineering infrastructure. I'll say there's some good things and some bad things about them. Read me through the list one more time just so I can have them on the top of my head. And I'll, one by one, I can give you my exposure. Yeah, that'd be great. And I'll also provide the description they offer just so we have a level set orientation of this. Lead time was the first one. And it's described as lead time is the time it takes to go from code committed to the main branch to running in production. Measuring lead time helps identify bottlenecks and areas where the software development process can be streamlined. We've also called that cycle time as well. I did find out that they might be different. Maybe the oh, description okay. that of lead time that I that have. That sounds exactly like how I preferred to cycle time, but we'll go with yes. it. Agreed. No, but there is something there. I think I looked up that <laughs> I was I'm just in the weeds to this morning, but I did look up the difference between cycle time and lead time, and there is a nuance there. Let me see if I can pull it up and I can tell you. But you measure cycle time is what you're saying to, to represent this metric. Yeah, I mean, the, everybody has like slight different. There's two. I think maybe the difference comes in twofold because I've seen it done in two ways. One is fully deployed to production and one is ticket completed and ticket is done, but may not necessarily be yeah. deployed to production. I think that's usually the nuance. If I already guessed the nuance, that's probably it. I would say, generally speaking, it's a good metric to track. It gives you an idea. And what I normally see from that one is that tells me a little bit more about how we're sizing stories. And it tells me a little bit more about our diligence in our ticket writing process than it tells me about whether or not we're shipping good things. And that would be the thing that I would say, it's a good marker on the health to say, is the team breaking down work appropriately? And are we seeing good consistency out? 
And if that's true, usually you're pointing for story pointing if you're in Scrum or something like that is relatively equivalent to what you'd expect. I can say right now, most of the teams that I'm working with, we're running on cycle times with an average of, say, three days and a mean of about a day and a half, which is pretty decent. And that's just us. That definition is different by team. So some it's just story to completed state and merged and others it's to release. That's a great benchmark, too, because there is industry benchmarks for this. And what you described, I think that's definitely a high performing team in terms of lead time. I did look up the cycle time nuance and I'll read what it says here. And again, it might be just too nitpicky, but the cycle time starts when new work enters in progress, that area of a work process, and somebody is doing actual work on it. Lead time measures the period between an appearance of a new work request in a workflow and its final departure from the system. I think cycle time is easily accessible in like a JIRA from what I've seen, but lead time seems to be a little bit more nuanced because of the nature of the intake and the exit of the system, which is interesting. That's one of those things you got to just customize to whatever your business is and you're working on. This in isolation was the thing of just like, it's not just this, right? It's not just setting yourself up to innovate and to build high-performing products. But this is one of those things in the equation. The high-performing teams have these commonalities. And I think what you expressed is definitely a high marker. If it's between one month and six months, it's on the low end. Between one week and one month, it's medium. High is between one day and one week. It's a benchmark. The source of this data for benchmarking is from Dora DevOps report, the 2022 Accelerate State of DevOps. And so they kind of go into this detail. To a point about team health, I think it's a good marker. As long as you have a good relevancy for what your time window is and what you're looking to like, if you're a team that is capturing new user features and you're trying to think about that from new user feature capture to time to deploy, that's a very different thing. If you're in a platform technology like where we're at, we're not really capturing new user features as much. Maybe we're responding more to incidents, requests from other teams, things of that nature. And so as a result, like a cycle time metric, I think it's good health metric. Yeah, it does tell you something, right? It's one signal. Now, the second one they have is deployment frequency. And so So a lot of folks actually aren't on CICT, right? And they are kind of doing weekly batches or monthly batches or whatever versions or this waterfall approach. Now, deployment frequency, the way it's described here is it's the number of times code is deployed to production in a given period. High deployment frequency is associated with improved software quality and faster feedback loops. It looks like the obviously CICD continuous integration, continuous deployment, you're going to have daily deployments versus like these weekly batches. And that quote unquote high benchmark here is multiple deploys per day. We track that as well. And I agree. So first off, CICD is probably one of the most critical things that a team should be able to do, right? Your ability to launch at whim when you need to make a critical change to the application or that you've successfully completed an initiative or an epic and you're not waiting for like a really long cycle for your business is something that every company, frankly, should be doing. I've never seen any evidence to counter that. That being said, I have seen evidence to counter the fact that that metric in its own describes the full story. You might say like, oh my God, but if we're deploying daily, that's awesome. But like I said, what if you are like us and you manage the bank data for millions of users? You would want to know that we're probably checking everything very, very thoroughly before we deploy. And so as a result, our deployment frequency is important, but it's not going to tell that whole story. Well, that's a part of it, right? There's there's four metrics here and four of them, I think, tell you a complete story, but that's kind of what I want to break down with you. And so that's healthy, what we talked about and unhealthy, quote unquote, here is 
between once per month and once every six months. So that would be more low in terms of quality of, of build. Now, the other one here is time to restore. It's also called MTTR, or mean time to restore, mean time to recovery is also a common term. That is the average time it takes to restore a service or application after an incident or an outage. This helps organizations identify areas where they can improve their incidents response and recovery processes. What's your exposure with that? Yeah, that's one of those ones you want low. <laughs> I feel like there's, there's no there's there's no nuance in that one. Nobody's saying, oh, yeah, we've had a disaster. You know, let's maybe look into the nuance in two weeks is OK. It's like, no, 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 no. We we should be. I, I would say we've always tracked those. Yeah. And we actually there's a really funny just a quick anecdote on this. We were talking about backup solutions for our company. One of the main things we were talking about was how much data and in what frequencies like that we keep readily on tap and how quick it is for us to restore. Like so if we had a data outage, our backup backup system based upon how it is could restore almost instantaneously. But we've been deciding what risk do we want to trade off in here? Does it matter that it's instantaneous? Is it okay for it to be like an hour? If it's an hour, could that save us a large amount of money? That's actually one of the things that we're considering, which any data PM should be thinking about. Yeah. So yes, <laughs> lower. Better. Maybe there is a caveat. Okay. Tell me. Trade-off. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe like, like I said, instantaneous might cost you 10x compared to one hour. And do you really care about that? Imagine that you could build a way that your system crashes in a way that you could instantaneously restore it. Whether that's running so many multiplications of your servers or running so many multiplications of your yeah. data or your processes or like at a moment's notice, you could flip the switch. But at the same time, maybe it doubles your AWS or your cloud bill. Yeah, this is all somewhat situational. And then again, these are more just like benchmarks from the industry in terms of benchmarking here. You know, time to restore between one week and one month is low between one day and one week is medium less than one day is high. So that's kind of your benchmarking there, especially like when you have a high tech system, any drop in terms of downtime costs you money. I think that's that's really important. The last one here is change failure rate. Change failure rate is the percentage of changes that result in a failed deployment or require remediation. Measuring this by areas where an organization can improve their testing and deployment processes. This one was a little bit new to me. I was familiar with the others, a little murky on lead time, but change failure rate. Have you measured this before? Yes. I'd say of them, this might be, at least in my opinion, the most critical. I don't think this one just tells you health about the team. I think it tells you health about your entire development process and your entire deploy cycle. They all work together. So as we've gone through, you can accelerate the heck out of how quickly you're deploying. But if you're deploying and those deploys fail or cause problems, then you need to really take a look at whether or not that's the right metric for you. If you can deploy frequently and quickly and easily and those zero failures, by all means, the change failure rate is probably the most important metric of the four in my particular opinion. I came from a business that I was working with at one point and literally every deploy for months had to be rolled back. We would get stuff out there. Some bug would be discovered in prod. We'd have to roll it back or we'd have to like make some failures or an incident or something like that tells you way more about yeah. your your organizational health than anything. I absolutely agree with that. Now, my follow up question to going through these four is how do you measure? I think if we work backwards now with change failure rate, how have you measured this? Is it something that you can track within Jira? Is this something that you tie into an event itself? Is there different tools for this? I'm sure there are. I mean, there's low tech and high tech ways of doing it. Let's talk about the low tech way. So the low tech way is we released a bit of code and it depends on what your release cycle looks like. You know, do you roll it to 100 percent? Do you roll it to 5 percent? But you released a bit of code 
and you detected an error in that release. If you detected an error in that release, that means that release is flawed. And you would put that as a tick of like, well, of the 10 releases we did this month, one out of 10 was flawed. That's the low tech way of doing it. it. Works really great for user products. The other flip cycle of that is, let's say you have really good error logging in place and all of a sudden you've got metrics that are just screaming through the roof, or maybe it's not fully taking down the application, but you're now outside of your norms on response times, login success rates, whatever it is, it may not be like a catastrophic failure, but that's enough in my opinion, it would be considered a failure. Are there tools to measure that? Are you using a JIRA or a tracking system? Is there sheets? Is there some DevOps tool that you leverage to measure those things? As a PM, I'm gonna throw yeah. this as an interesting, that's a stat that I like engineering to report to me. The division of roles and responsibilities and how teams are looking at stuff and how they're grading it. Engineering should have a very strong perspective on that one. And as a PM, your goal is to collect that metric, understand how it's computed for your particular team and be able to assess whether you guys have the right processes. Mm -hmm. Jira looks like they've in beta with some insight tool measuring some of this. And I think that maybe they use some integrations with some of the deployment software that flags it. It also sounds like you need some champions on setting it up appropriately. For what it's worth, I don't have a don't have the perfect solution for you. Sorry. Come on, Lou. You're supposed to have all the answers now. Now, tying it back to understanding these metrics and how they contribute to the quality of how we build products, not necessarily the quality of the problems or solutions that we solve. These are kind of independent pieces, but having a good, healthy four of these metrics sets you up to be able to do the other two more empowered, right? Yeah. And I think you were talking about this, like the initial content was like in the relationship of team health. The last metric I would say is missing from this here is you need some measurement i'll call it the wellness of your team on an individual basis and that's the thing that i would say is missing that's the one missing key everybody feels fine but if everybody feels fine and you're having a high change failure rate or you're not deploying frequently enough what does that say everybody feels like crap maybe you're deploying way too frequently and they're feeling burned out because of your release cycle the team health metric on like that we have a pretty regular survey type system that we're running on a routine basis and we're adding that metric in we do these pod health check-ins i just did two of them yesterday and we report on those four metrics plus the quality of the team from a wellness perspective we use like office vibe as a tool which i love as like a pulse check and then the combination of these i think you're onto something there like how do you measure the performance and health of each team. I think there's a great way to look at it as your leader in the space, setting your teams up for success, that having topology conversations, like how do these teams talk to each other and we reduce dependencies and we build for quality. I did have one other question then. Now, QA, it was interesting at Ibotta. I don't think we had a QA team, right? Like there was, it didn't exist. And, and I'm curious, do you see the build health being high and also having a QA team? Do they have a place in this ecosystem of building products at this quality and rate? Across my career, I've seen it both ways. And the first job I ever had, I was actually a member of a QA engineering team as an intern. So I know that world. And then at the same point, going through the companies like Ibotta that believed QA needed to be owned by the team. In my personal view, I have seen the QA engineering role be less effective in comparison to it being by squads or pods or by the engineers themselves. Every time I've seen it, it leads to buggier work. It usually leads to less happy people. And I think it makes for really poor delegation of responsibilities. So that's my own personal. Hey, 
I tend to agree with you. I feel like the companies that are set up in a way that that team has ownership and accountability, it doesn't exist. And it also doesn't matter, right? Like it's related to those metrics. For example, if one of those metrics we talked about is unhealthy, leadership tends to say, how do we fix it? Let's hire QA. Right. And I think that's maybe a risk and maybe the right approach is instead of not being able to tell that story, let's track these and set our own accountable bars and then give the team that empowerment and ownership over those baselines. This is the industry baselines like that's published. It's a report. You know, all these companies contribute. Here's how you're doing. And we publish that. We're allowed about it. Teams are proud about the metrics that are healthy. And, you know, maybe it inspires coordination, collaboration, and also better product quality. I 100% agree with that. Let's wrap up with a bit of homework and we'll close it out a little bit on my side. I would say just go educate yourself a little bit more about the DevOps world. I mean, it's so fascinating. I love it. It's such a rich area for product management to understand how it can aid empowered product teams and really help the innovation process. And if it's new to you, if that term is new, if the team is new, there's so many good resources. I would recommend that Accelerate book is great. That report I mentioned as well. Check that out to get a good understanding of how your team's doing and have a conversation with your team about it too. See what they think. Say that if you're not tracking any metrics like the ones we mentioned or others that maybe you've come up for your company that you should start. That's honestly the biggest thing. A lot of people don't realize there's a problem until they really start actually getting numbers and metrics and seeing what's coming out. And if you're saying like, oh, work is taking a large amount of time, but you don't know what your cycle time or your lead time looks like, you probably get a handle on that so you know exactly how long it's really taking it. Then you can start to fix the problem. Great. Thank you, Lou, for joining us today. It's great catching up and going into the weeds on DevOps. It was fun. Well, it yeah. looks like we finished up our coffee, so go level up. This has been Product Coffee, produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover. And who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.